Hey, it's Josiah. Before we get started with this episode, I have something very special to share with you. You know, we've delved deep into what it means to be an Enneagram 5 together for the past few years, especially with our friend of the show, Sam Greenberg, or as many of you know her, the Enneagram expert. And now we want to go even deeper with you. We've worked together with Sam to craft an online workshop exclusively for type 5s to help you unlock the secrets of connection with every Enneagram type. This is not just another generic workshop. It's a deep dive into understanding and nurturing relationships tailored specifically for your unique perspective. Imagine getting practical, actionable insights on connecting with each of the nine Enneagram types all through the lens of a type five. Sam's going to guide you on how to build meaningful relationships, sharing strategies and insights specifically designed for fives. I've seen firsthand how Sam's insights can transform understanding and communication. And I'm so excited to partner with her to bring this exclusive workshop to you. Whether you're looking to deepen current relationships or navigate new ones, this workshop is a game changer for fives seeking genuine connection. Spots are limited, and trust me, you don't want to miss this. So head over to Enneagram5.com connection to secure your place and begin your journey towards richer, more authentic connections. Once again, go to Enneagram5.com connection or visit the link in the description to get your ticket to the workshop today. Did you already hit record? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you did. <laughs> we got to think of how to start. Oh, man. So, Cody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah. This is our most requested episode. Most requested, yeah. And, uh. High fives. Right. Here we go. Cue the intro music. Since we're in this state, yeah, we can talk about whatever we want. Yeah, we didn't have a we don't have a plan except to be in a certain state of mind the whole time, the whole the whole time, time, and and we delivered on that beautifully. (laughs) I think we'll be progressing towards higher and higher fives. Well, we should probably just have a disclaimer up front that there there is no way in, I don't, I don't think at all that this episode is supposed to do anything but entertain you. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is fun. We're I can describe what we're doing. We <laughs> Yeah, we're not doing video that not that anyone's ever seen the video. No. <laughs> I'm going to one I'm going to start posting all of the videos from the very first season, just like we we'll actually should, should do a progression. I can only actually post things starting out from season one yes, <laughs> and then work your way forward, even though we're so far ahead. Especially because the first season looks like garbage. That's what I'm saying. Quality wise, <laughs> it'll just get better. So but both in terms of us and the video, although now we've devolved into whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Better's very subjective. It's true. Yeah. Hopefully this is quality <laughs> entertainment. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We're sitting in my living room 
on this big ass couch that we bought so it the is, kids can jump around. Yeah, it's very nice and squishy. Yeah. Cody had to sit on the other side this time and it's throwing me off. For anyone that's listening who's <laughs> never seen our faces. <laughs> Josiah just basically made an inside joke to only the people who have seen the video of us. <laughs> but yeah, that's really funny that actually yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> Watching the video, I am on the other side. I was thinking that it was backwards, but... No, so you're thinking that it's backwards because you would prefer it to be backwards because you're left-handed. Right. So and so side. I always make it to where you are uncomfortable, and and that's the side that I prefer. <laughs> Can you imagine what I would look like <laughs> sitting on this couch with my left hand like against the couch? What would I do? How would what? I reach for anything? What do you? You're, my right left, hand is useless. Your left hand is against a couch. No, it's not. It's an armrest. <laughs> it's got its own designated That's, place. It's part of the couch. <clears throat> God, I probably should go ahead and say there's no way I'm editing this at all. Like I'm gonna, it's just gonna have to oh, go straight no. through. That's a bad <laughs> idea. So we're gonna hear all the coughing and whatever is <laughs> in between. The dishwasher running in the background. No, I think I covered that with compression oh, and nice. all the technical things. I mean, if you go on for like 35 minutes about some ramble that makes absolutely no sense, I can cut that out later. But like, <laughs> I can't cut out like little bits and pieces oh, like yeah. I often do to reconstruct sentences to make what we say make sense. <laughs> One thing that we can do later is I can read from my high thoughts. I keep this uh, giant note of things that come to me when I'm high or when I... I'm not high, but I have uh, thoughts. I'm like, oh, that's a high thought. Yeah. and this, <laughs> that, That'd be fine. We could do is, that for it sure. It is so massive. It's just like... It just is full this of, ongoing document? And this is full of nonsense. It's amazing. <laughs> well, what should we talk about? I'm kind of wishing at this point that we had brought the snacks in here. Oh, well, yeah. We'll have to take a snack break. Yeah, okay. We'll figure that out somewhere in the middle of this episode. I don't know how you can you can play some snack break music, <laughs> just like inserted it. In. Yeah, we should record a snack break song. All right, you can be involved in that right now. Right, now. <laughs> where's the guitar? <laughs> it's right over there, Cody. It's right it's in, the other in that room. other room. Yeah, I'm not getting up. That which I back, don't blame you. Back to the problem with the snacks. All right. Oh yeah, that's right. <sighs> oh well. Um, well, what are, what are, what are we going to talk about? Well, when we do after hours, we talk about how we're feeling. We could start it that way. What if we do like a little like, hey guys, if you're just wanting to take the next step with our <laughs> podcast and with this relationship, then join our uh, premium subscribers and you get access to another show that we do that's completely unedited and sometimes nothingness for an hour. But <laughs> So let's give you a preview of that. Yeah, <laughs> but for you, for for the very low cost of forty nine ninety nine, four times a month. <laughs> that's that's not what it is. Yeah, but but we can always start that way. Do sure. red, yellow, green. All right, Cody, red, yellow, green. You know, it's funny. I've been doing all the things that I love lately. Been except for moving, which that sucked. But around that was doing a lot of things I love. Got to play a show on Saturday night that resulted in me getting my GoFundMe goal for the record, which is great. And uh, 
last night I was in the studio until 5 a.m. Damn. <laughs> 4 a.m., but it was an hour away, so I had to drive home. I got home around 5. And then I got up like four hours later and worked all day, and now I'm here. So even though I'm doing a lot of the things that I love, my tank was empty a long time ago. Mm. So I'm, I'm red, actually. Ah, I see. Yeah. So it was empty before you started doing this stuff? Or is it just because there's so much going on? It's a little both. Yeah, mm. I mean, I've just been, I've been on a nonstop sprint of doing things since like end of August. And I'm just like, it does not stop. I have multiple things every weekend. I have to work all week. I spend my evenings doing things like lately podcast episodes and, and doing being in the studio or like, or gigs that I play. So I'm just like, it's so many things all at once, I think. And then moving as stressful as that always is, is always, that's like the kind of, it was kind of the last straw for me, but the on what to top it all off, I moved Friday night. We did that until like one or two in the morning and then did it Saturday all day until I had to get ready and take a shower and leave and go play that show at that, that house show. And then I came back home, kept doing more moving stuff. And then Sunday I was just setting up my office all day long. And then, so yeah, then I work all day again. Then Monday I was at the studio until 5 a.m. I wake up today do work all day again and here i am so i just literally have it's like all of my days for the last like two and a half months so very much looking forward to like four weeks from now when everything just like stops for the holidays so that'll be nice i don't know it's a fairly pleasant red to be in i guess because it's not like i'm not like depressed or anything i'm just it's like the easiest kind of red for me. Like there's multiple <laughs> types of red that we can be as fives. And okay. this is like the best red because out of all of them in the hierarchy, because I'm basically just tired. I'm not sad. I'm not like stressed out or anxious even. I'm just tired. <laughs> and so, but it's like, you know, like when you do something and then your body's like, yeah, that was too much. You're done. You're going to be done for a little while. Mm. I felt that after the show on Saturday, and then I just kept going. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, my body's still telling me very loudly that I'm I'm done and I need to I need to rest. So I'll rest tomorrow night after I get off work, and then I'm going to go on a trip with all of my all my guys, all my buds for the bachelor trip this weekend. Where which, are you going? We are going to uh, uh, Savannah, Georgia. Did you even plan anything for this? You, yeah. I early actually, on, you said, I, I want to I plan it, and then I heard nothing. Yeah, I, so I've got some options that I wanted to talk to you about before we recorded, but I forgot. Oh, well, okay. Maybe after then. How do you feel about ghost tours? Oh, I've already been planning that. On the, Beside you, I've been asking people if, we, if they want to go on a blow, ghost, ghost tour. <laughs> Well, that's what we're doing. <laughs> awesome. Is it the is the is it the the pub crawl one? No, I was looking at the trolley one. Oh, okay, like a legit ghost tour. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Can we can we sneak drinks on it? Unclear. I think you can sneak drinks anywhere if you're good at it. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, now I'm kind of a little bit close. I'm more orange now. You got me thinking about okay. the trip. That'll be fun. Yeah. I think I'm yellow. Okay. Well, maybe coming back from red a little. 
I don't know. I've just I've been feeling a lot of that too. Just I've been going nonstop since July. Yeah, and either, it seems like I'm either traveling or sick. Has basically happened the last two months of my life. And then we're going on this trip, and then I'm back for a week, and then I fly the other side of the country for a week, and I fly from there down to Florida for your wedding. Oh yeah, God. Yeah, we're both in the same boat then. <laughs> Yeah, I used to like traveling. Yeah. I don't really anymore. I like traveling if it's in the right context, you know, like maybe you don't like it anymore because you're being forced to travel rather than wanting to do these things. Uh, I mean, even when I used to travel for work, I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I think I know like there there are different reasons for it. It's harder when you have kids. Yeah. So being gone for so I'll be gone for like Seven or eight days when I go to California and then and then Florida. So you know how we said that this is like the most record uh, most requested episode. Yeah, everyone's gonna be so let down. <laughs> I mean, what did they expect asking for this kind of episode? Like, who? I mean, what what do, do we have anything to offer to the 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 greater five conversation from this state? We can make this Up worth it. The no, state mentally. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't I don't know if people are like hoping for some grand revelation in this in this place, but I don't know. We can talk about controversial opinions. <laughs> Didn't we already do this one? <laughs> <laughs> like twice <laughs> in different forms. Um, what kind true. of controversial opinions? I don't know. I just picked a topic. Um, controversial. So wouldn't, wouldn't you go there? Yeah. I think most times, I mean, don't, isn't like the cliche that fives like get high and get quiet? <laughs> that is definitely not the case for me. No, it is not. I talk a lot more and I sing a lot more. Oh. Maybe we'll get treated to that, that Josiah, before the end of the episode. Seven years of show choir, baby. <laughs> what you guys don't know is he says this phrase all the time outside of this podcast. <laughs> out of nowhere. And inside of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've said it on here before, too. It's true. You sit here and chew chips for 45 minutes. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, you're welcome for that beautiful ASMR that we just did for 45 minutes. <laughs> and we're going to go now. Um, uh, what was your first concert and your last concert that you didn't play but attended? What was my what was my first and last that I attended? Yep. Hmm. Okay. The one first concert I ever went to is uh, I was 13 and I went to see DC Talk (laughs) (laughs) not to date myself or anything for any CCM lovers out there yeah it was on their Jesus Freak tour wow yeah I was blown away lost my mind a lot of my first concerts were Christian concerts trying to think who my first like not concert was or not Christian I mean (laughs) Nothing like sticks in my mind before I was like 15 or 16. 
I'd say one of the first concerts I went to outside of Christian world, though, was uh, Goo Goo Dolls. So that was fun. Nice. Goo Goo Dolls and uh, what's that band that sings that Boston song? Oh, Augustana. Augustana opening for them. But my last concert was, if we don't include festivals, because I just went to a festival recently and that was a whole bunch of shows, but... You know, I was thinking, on that, I'm getting very sidetracked, but on that note, I just don't think I like festival performances. I think they're so stupid compared to like a real show. Mm. So that was like, I just don't know if I want to, I don't even know if I care about music festivals. I think they're a little overrated. Um, but uh, my last real show was uh, seeing the swell season at the Ryman, which was amazing. And man, what a gap that creates, you know. DC Talk at 13, <laughs> too. A completely different thing. I've come so far in life. What about you? Mm. So if we're not including festivals, because I definitely went to some Christian festivals. I, play, I played at a festival before I ever went to a festival. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My first actual concert that I remember going to, I went there specifically to see that band, was Blink-182. Damn. Yeah. I was like 13. Starting start strong. 14. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some 41 opened for them. Fucking hell. That's a, that, yeah, that was a, it, that was the golden years. It was, a, that, it was like, an, it was an amazing show and it was like my first concert and just like ruined all concerts for me after that. Hmm. <laughs> what, oh, what was the name of the, there's a venue in Atlanta that's like really well known. I don't even know if it's still there. Tabernacle? No, it's a smaller one. If I said it, you'd know what I was talking about, but yeah. I can't remember the name of it right now. But it was small. It was like 400 people crammed mm-hmm. into this little room, and it was standing room only, and it was like mosh pits, and people were crowd surfing, and it was like... Wow. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then the last one that I went to would have to be the 10th anniversary of the Postal Service. Ooh. Yeah, man. I think tenth. This would have been in like 2014. So yeah, I think that makes sense. That was your last show you went to live was in 2014. Mm, yeah, like a concert, like I paid tickets and went to. Pretty sure, yeah. Wow, it's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, I mean, we started having kids in <laughs> yeah, 2016. Would you, yeah, so. what'd you do? Yeah, it was like a birthday present for Mimi. Uh, yeah, and uh, it was in Portland. This is, this was when we were living in Bellingham, and we were poor. <laughs> yeah, so I guess this would have been like 2013. Uh, <laughs> like we we were, you know, we had moved to. So like my second job was in Bellingham, and I knew nothing about negotiating salaries or anything, or that that was even a thing. Like when yeah. I when I got this job. So they asked me, you know, how much are you making? And so I told them. And they're like, oh, well, that's what the job pays. What a coincidence. How about that? <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, awesome. And I was so ignorant of all of this world that uh, I didn't even think about, hey, there's a 40% cost of living difference between Chattanooga and Bellingham. Mm. And uh, hey, guess what? Not everybody pays for your wife's insurance, which they didn't. Right. And this was like pre-Affordable Care Act. And so uh, to to put her on our insurance 
would have been like 850 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like this was just as bad now. It's ridiculous. It's insane. And so we, yeah, we were, we were poor for comparatively for a while there and then kind of quickly like moved up switching jobs and things. Mm. But this was around that time and she really wanted me to go see the postal service and, uh, but we didn't really have the money to like make the trip, but we did it. And so she booked this motel from what I remember. Yeah. Or maybe I booked it, but this was the one that she picked. And I was like, are you sure? Cause it was the cheapest one we could find. Mm. And it was terrible. Like we pull up and of course there are all these broken down cars in the parking lot and we get, uh, we get up there and like it's just like very clearly grungy, dirty. And then I shut the door, but you can still see people walking past the door from under the door. Like there's so much of a gap. Ooh, there is. Okay. Yeah. And then I sit down on the bed and I lift up the cover and it's a mattress on like a piece of plywood supported by cinder blocks. <laughs> and, huh, okay. and then like. Yeah, you know, of course, there's, there's like a big dead roach in the bathroom and stuff. And this it's like a scene like, out of like Breaking Bad. Oh, or I something. know, I know. It was, uh, yeah. So we we ended up, we did not stay there a second night because we were going to stay there. Yeah, um, and we ended up driving back up the the coast. But we we went to go see the postal service. It was it was a really awkward, weird experience because one, they were playing in like a sports stadium. So the sound was terrible. Mm. And then two, it was a really weird mixture of people that are around our age, you know, kind of went to high school and then similar, yeah. you know, period of time, maybe a little older than us. And then young teenagers where like, you know, postal service kind of went away and then it's coming back as like a new fad. Right. Yeah. And they're, <laughs> and I was in my, like my late twenties, I think at this point. And they were probably, well, yeah, probably more like the 17, 18 ish range. Mm -hmm. And so they're like getting up and like dancing in the aisles and stuff and like trying to get people to come and like, it was to the postal service. To the postal service. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas like you've got all of these people who, you know, are like 30. And they're just like, I just want to sit here and listen to the band. <laughs> yeah. But all of the, these kids are like getting up in front of us so we couldn't see. And so it was just, it was just weird. But the the weirdest part was the person who opened for them was Big Freedia. Do you know who that is? Sounds really familiar. I, I want to say it's like uh, a guy in drag or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, because um, they always had really provocative covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, back in the day. But it was like really not good music. And because uh, <laughs> it's why nobody knows them yeah. now. And and uh it was like they the the weirdest part was they did this like they, first of all, they had these girls come out like booty dancing and twerking and stuff on the stage. And then <laughs> And this is like postal service uh, concert, and then they they did this like everybody stopped and they did this countdown and they're like you know t count down from ten and then they're like three two 
one. And then they just like drop the bass and they just go over and over again for like two minutes. They go, booty, 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 booty. <laughs> <laughs> and then all these little like teenagers were like booty dancing in the aisles. I'm like, this is like, oh, this is an awful experience. Yeah. But sometimes uh, I'll like come up behind Amy and just be like, booty, 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 booty. Yeah. <laughs> That's really the only thing I remember from that whole experience. <laughs> yeah. That was a whole song, wasn't it? And they do that. That was like on I the radio. So, probably. But yeah. It was just like so weird and awkward and out of place in this setting. Hmm. I think you'll really like my next single, though, because <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar to Booty 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 Booty. It rhymes with Booty Booty Booty. booty. <laughs> no, I think you'll like it because uh definitely took a lot of, not a lot, but a, a few cues from the Postal Service. Oh, nice. God, I hope somebody likes it after staying up till 5 a.m. last <laughs> night working on it. That's, I mean, you got a good record for shows, though. <laughs> a lot, the ratio of shows mm. you've seen to bad shows you've seen, you've probably seen more good shows, right? Actually, that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky because, I mean, I was going to... Uh, I lived in Atlanta at this time, like middle school, yeah, high school. So you had access to There's good a lot venues. of shows, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. That definitely affects things. And I, um, summer after ninth grade, my friend's brother was older and mm-hmm. he would just like take us to shows and things or in festivals if we wanted to go. So that's what we did. And then, like, I also was hanging out in the like hardcore band, like, friend group there for a little while in high school and went to some of those shows and those are crazy yeah the atlanta scene the atlanta like hardcore scene back in the day was pretty crazy yeah i dislocated my knee in a mosh pit one time. oh my god that doesn't sound like anything even remotely indicative to things we would enjoy in in practice like i guess the sum is greater than like the or the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. The thing that I remember about that experience is feeling like I was free. Hmm. And there's this sense of like, no one gets to tell us what to do. We're, we're going to do our own thing. Yeah. And that was really appealing to me at that phase of my life. Well, yeah. When you put it through that kind of, fa- that kind of filter, <laughs> I guess it makes more sense. Because um, then it could be just about anything then that time right it didn't have to be moshing yeah okay well you asked the last question i'm gonna ask another one all right do it if you had to rate your top three in order your top three mcu movies what would they be oh i don't know if i can do in order this is what this episode's actually going to be like (laughs) We're trying to show you that fives either don't say anything or if they're going to be social like we are, just talk about their favorite things. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah. Top three MCU movies. I want, I want listeners to, to write in and tell me yours as well. (laughs) What? Right. Send us a letter. (laughs) Yeah. Send us a letter too. Uh, I, I don't know your address now, so or I would have said it live. Oh, um, that you would have said it live. Yeah, it's a it's a dumbass address we, now. Oh my god, we were, it's so bad. Hold on, hold on. I had to tell you. So I've been in a couple of bands, 
you know, in like high school, college. Oh, we're going back. Okay. Yeah. I've been in two different two-man novelty bands. Okay. Um, like Flight of the Concords yes, novelty? Yes, very, okay. very much like Flight of the Concords. Okay. And the first one was called X Flexible Goat X. And the second one was called January Closing. And uh, what did those even mean? <laughs> the first one used made up words. No, the no, there was like the that trend in like the you know the Atlanta hardcore scene to like put X like an X in front and behind your name or whatever. Okay, first of all, up until this point, I was like with you on the Atlanta hardcore scene when it came when those words come out of your mouth, but then it just kind of seemed like you were flexing by saying it. <laughs> like it felt like you. Felt like a flex, like you were being so like. Well, back in the Atlanta hardcore scene. <laughs> oh man, I, I couldn't accept that one. My brain just stopped. I forgot what you were even talking about. All I focused on was that phrase. Oh, oh man. I don't remember what I was talking what about. What were we talking now. about? I don't Damn know. Get, you see, you, you, I went way back. I know, but now I've lost. Oh, you were talking about the the, the two man novelty bands. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm making my way back into... I think I'm going to have to edit this episode because no. I, this is the worst. This is the worst stream of consciousness to, to try to follow. I would be so annoyed listening to this. Oh, yeah. That's true. Okay. So, we in January closing, it was originally a three-man novelty band. And one of the guys basically just like quit. Yeah. And so, we were we were recording the song and... We were just like, like stream of consciousness recording shit. Yeah. And we were... Trying to be revolutionary. Yeah. (laughs) We were just like basically lamenting about Stu quitting the band. Uh, And... uh, Big thing. And then then, like one of us was like, what would be... Like we're we're singing this the whole time. Like Uh, basically it's like, what would be really funny? Like we just like said Stu's phone number in the song and put it on the internet and like oh god <laughs> and josh was like yo yes Stu," and he starts saying his number and he's like oh i don't actually know his number i just always press Stu in my phone <laughs> and this is a really stupid story but that was, <laughs> yeah, I was like was, is this where we were going <laughs> but that's what reminded me of. <laughs> <laughs> my god that whole story was <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't want to answer my MCU question, just say so. <laughs> I'm buying time. <laughs> Until I'm like, all right, 45 minutes. I can't do this anymore. Oh, man. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Three is so hard. I right. know. Um, I don't know what order they're in yet. Okay. And I might start with like five or six and arrow them down, but I have to process this. Yeah. As you should. It's an important thing. I, I loved, I actually loved Ant-Man. Yeah. I loved the first Doctor Strange. Yeah. I loved the second Black Panther movie. And then I loved uh, the last Spider-Man movie. No Way Home? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if there's any other... I know I'm probably forgetting some that are awesome. Uh, so if I had to stack rank those into like a top three. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
forgot about Ragnarok. Mm. Uh, oh, that's hard. I would probably go No Way Home, Ragnarok, and uh, Black Panther 2. Two, okay, yeah. Did I pass the test? <laughs> I'm, it's a what, strange, are your, what are your it's three? It's a strange list. Um, my three are, I've gone back and forth on this. I think in terms of like storyline and overall like story arc, I think it's hard for me because Captain America Winter Soldier was... That was a good one. They 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 statistically say most people say that that was the perfect MCU movie. Like that's when they peaked was during that time huh. of storytelling. And it's funny because I went back and watched all twenty three movies not that long ago, uh-huh. and uh, it really does like stand out so much from all of the rest. Um, Black Panther two was up there for me. Yeah. That one was one of the few MCU movies ever to like make me a little emotional. Dude. I mean, obviously it was emotional because of Chadwick Boseman, you know, but, but, but you could tell that they weren't just acting. They were all grieving oh, together for sure. Yeah. And like, Oh man, we watched that not too long after Amy's mom passed as well. Oh, so it was yeah. just, Oh, that was an emotional night. Yeah. God. Yeah. It's like me watching that, uh, Disney movie. <laughs> we Coco? talked about Coco. Oh God, that movie. I've I haven't watched it since then, so I don't even know. Maybe I'd still cry. But uh, yeah, I think that outside of that, I mean, I'd say Winter Soldier, Infinity War, and maybe Black Panther Two would be like my top mm. three in terms of. It's so hard because I really love the first Guardians of the Galaxy too. You know, it's funny. I didn't really, I never really liked Guardians of the Galaxy. I know that's a really big hot take for MCU. I mean, I watched them. I enjoyed them. I thought the third one was both um, amazing, but also like absolutely ridiculous. Like how the hell did he survive? Well, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about? The jump at the end. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Like it just was so, it's one thing to be like constantly suspended in this world of make-believe, but it's a whole other thing to just like break logic. (laughs) Right. That, that whole thing just didn't make sense. Anyway, yeah, Guardians of the First Guardians Galaxy was a really good story. And I, after rewatching it, really loved them all together. I was sad I didn't get to watch all of them because Spider Man stuff isn't actually on Disney Plus yet. But man, No Way Home, though. No Way Home was so good. Even if it did rely a lot on like nostalgia and stuff like that, I think that the storyline and especially the ending was just like really good. Mm. Um, there's also a lot of it's like they kind of make this parallel to Tony Stark's beginning origin story as well, a little bit in, in certain terms at the end, I think. And there's a, so it's hard for me because I love no way home, but I also really love the first Iron Man. I like where it started. Like I go back yeah. and watch that when I, that's the first movie I'm watching. Cause I, well, no, it's not true. I didn't, I started chronologically this time, tried that out. That was stupid. But it did, I guess, it makes it easier to remember everything. Because if you start with Iron Man, though it's I like doing it in the order they were released, but it also makes it really hard to keep up with what's happening with who. Mm. It's like all out of out of whack. Probably a lot like this episode. <laughs> it's all out of order. This is true. <laughs> and out of whack. And out of whack. It's just, it's all, it's all bad. We it's gotta get bad. back in whack. How do we get back in whack? <laughs> 
Last time I was at the studio, I kept saying, I, I was singing this part that was insanely low. And it's funny, I smoked then too. And it made like dry, it dried my throat out and I could get so low. And he made me sing an octave to my part just to see what it would sound like. And I got to the first, the one line and it goes so low. And then afterwards, I'm just like sitting in the booth, not really saying anything. And then he asks me questions and I keep saying it really low. And I'm not meaning to, it's just that's where I am. And he was just like, he'd start laughing. And then I was, what did I say? I said, you got to keep that uh, low bass mentality. And we both looked low bass mentality. It should be a t-shirt. And so why was I even telling that story? You said Dude, some, I have no idea. something about a phrase. Because uh, you, I don't even remember. <laughs> oh, I said, you said out of whack. And I said, we got to get back in. Back in whack. Yeah, and then I was, it reminded me of that. Yeah, I have a new phrase, low bass mentality. We just oh. have to stay in that low bass mentality. So anyway... <laughs> Uh, I'd be willing to bet money at this point. There's no way this episode oh. sees the light of day. <laughs> We're sorry, everyone. We tried. We really tried. I'm starting to have that place now where I'm rubber banding a little. So like, it, I keep I, like wait, stretching. What does out. that mean? So like, if you if you get high enough that you rubber band, rubber band means like when you're present in the moment and then it's like all of a sudden time slows way down oh, and you yeah. feel frozen in a moment for what feels like an eternity yeah. like earlier when you were telling that story about the postal service uh-huh. I fully want started doing it then I was just like oh my god he's been talking about this forever and then it's like <laughs> I whipped back to reality I was like oh I'm back <laughs> and so that's the rubber band effect you slow way down but then you speed back up back to the present okay the problem with that is is that happens while I'm talking also right. and then I forget why I'm talking about it because I'm like, I've been talking for so long. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, yeah, I'm sufficiently high at this point. Me too. <laughs> You're like covered in a blanket with your hood on and the sweater, and it's not even cold. Oh, it's so cozy. Yeah, that would be too cozy. It'd be hot. Okay, Cody. Yeah. What is your happiest moment so far in your life? Ugh. <laughs> I don't I don't like this question. That's, okay. that's well, a lot of thought. <laughs> happiest what? moment. What's the first happiest moment that comes to mind? Um don't think about it. Just. It's yeah, well I'm trying to <laughs> Yeah. So I think the first, my happiest moment I can remember is playing in the water and eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the summer. Nice. Yeah. To this day, it's one of my favorite things. If I'm out like in any kind of body of water for any amount of time in the middle of the day, afterwards I crave a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Hmm. Kind of craving one now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If you could be in the end. You're not even going to answer your own question? Are we not no, playing that game? Okay. No. If This is an interview now. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's probably better this way. If, if you could be any animal for a day, what would it be? Ooh, I think I would be a panther. Why a panther? Uh, I feel like this is going to be an answer. People probably who are listening to this were like, mm, yeah. <laughs> Just because like, you get to be sneaking around and <laughs> blended in with the night you know <laughs> and also like kind of a badass like everybody's afraid of you 
Black Panthers are only in like damn places that they're gonna dominate, you know? <laughs> it's like it'll be like lions where Black Panthers are. I've never seen two of those two together in a room. I don't think they like go together. <laughs> I just heard myself <laughs> say everything I just said. Oh, man. Man, get them lines out there with them black pandas. What they doing in there? They're not supposed to be hanging out. Oh, man. I just went through a whole, like, whole movie in my head about <laughs> this rift with black panthers and lions. Uh, they used to be cool, but now they're not. Got to find the redemption story. Oh, man. I don't know if you should ask me any more questions. <laughs> I was going to say, I would I would be either like an owl or an eagle of some mm. sort. Gift of flight. That's a nice one. Yeah. Mm. Goes back to you wanting to be free. Feel free. Mm. Yeah. And to gain a higher perspective than anyone else. Mm. Yeah. It's true. I would also like there to be a, a certain level of dominance over everything. So I'm going to say I would rather be a pterodactyl. <laughs> it's bigger than a li- eagle. Li- living animals. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I think my answer to that question from now on, every time you ask me, I'm like, like T-Rex. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite color? Blue. Me too. <laughs> now, we everybody listening. Height, that does need. Here's the, here's the thing. What? Every <laughs> everybody who's listening to this, I bet you, I bet you, money. The majority of them love blue. I've never met a I've never met a five who doesn't love blue. Uh, is it a five thing? I don't know. Oh my god! Did you know? Until relatively very recently. What is that noise? That's a train, man. Oh, my God. It's so loud. It's, yeah. Listen to that. I'm going to have to cut all this out. No, you don't. I can hear this low frequency. Yeah, people will like it. It's rumbling my headphones. It's real. (laughs) This is is the true behind the scenes of the Enneagram 5 No, it's not. That's false. (laughs) Man, Uh, that thing is so loud. I mean, it's literally across the street. Yeah, it's like it's yeah, it's rumbling the ground. Feel it. Yeah. What was I saying? I don't even remember anymore. I'm gonna eat a pickle. Pickle. <laughs> Damn it! I was gonna say something. Now I just have to listen to you eat a pickle. These are spicy. Are they? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> So, I like spicy. But damn! <laughs> oh my god, I'm dying. <laughs> Did, didn't realize that. Try one. <laughs> no, I'm good. Oh my god, I'll be hiccuping all night if I do that. Ham train just won't go away. I mean, eventually it will because that's why it's making noise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Should we go to your um, your high notes? I think we should go there. Oh boy! Oh, <laughs> I'll show you. Um, oh, remind me. The oh, sorry, I had like three thoughts at once. Mm-hmm. 
when I came back into the room earlier tonight and I was laughing. I have to, yeah, we have to watch this clip of the action sequence to the uh, 2003 Bollywood hit Main Hoona. Okay. <laughs> you guys can look that up on YouTube and it's amazing. It's one of the best things I've ever seen. Like what though? Is it like all the dancing and stuff? Like true? So this was like back when like Bollywood was really, really trying to like be like Hollywood. Yeah. But to the point where it was just like over the top, but it almost like it makes it so much more endearing in, so, in these ways. It's like, it's amazing. And so there's this. Uh, the the, the storyline behind this movie is something along the lines. It's been so long since I watched this. I watched this in high school. Yeah, I think. But the storyline is something along the lines of this like special forces guy who knows the president personally or whatever, kind of gets reassigned to keep an eye on the president's daughter. Okay. But he's supposed to do it in a way where she doesn't know that that's what's happening. Mm. So, classic 90s comedy so he, yes <laughs> and so he goes undercover as a student at her university <laughs> 21 jump street but <laughs> bollywood so, like clearly clearly like you know 15 20 years older than everybody <laughs> but uh, like look at like cheeks and chong <laughs> or something <laughs> very old and, and ragged there's, there's this there's this scene where it's like, you know, especially because this is around like the Mission Impossible time and and like mm. the, the Matrix, you know, mm-hmm. and, and people were starting to like, you know, every every for a little while, everybody went way overboard with the special effects and oh, yeah. on like fighting and action sequences and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and but it was really obvious because it's kind of lower budget CGI stuff. Mm. And so there's this one scene where. Uh, one of the kids, like in the quad, has this uh, laser sight pointed on him, and this guy is the actor's name is Shara Khan. Why do you know all of this? I I don't know. <laughs> Why do you know their names? <laughs> I was really into Bollywood for a little bit. It's so weird. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like one of my favorite things. And wow. okay, <laughs> so anyway. This kid has this laser sight on him. So the guy, the special forces guy, like does this leap through the air holding out like his physics book or something that's really thick. What? And, and it's, like, it's like slow motion with that like matrix effect as he's flying through the air and he uh he like gets in front of the 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 boy that had the laser sight on him and he's wow. holding the book up and the the bullet like goes through the book in slow motion. <laughs> and so then he looks up to find the shooter and the shooter's in an SUV and they're like, oh no, we've got to go. We've got to get out of here before he kills us. And so they they take off down the like worst exit route of yeah. all time because it's just like a bunch of switchbacks <laughs> down yeah. a hill. And uh, <laughs> suddenly they're in Greece or something like going down those little buildings no, all the way down so, the hill. So the, the action guy... Uh, he goes out to commandeer a vehicle, but all there is is a bicycle rickshaw. So it's the greatest chase scene in the history of any movie ever <laughs> because he's chasing an SUV 
in a bicycle rickshaw. And so first he comes down. You know, because it's a switchback, he has plenty of time to catch up with them because they're going down and around a corner and he just goes straight down on the bicycle. Right. <laughs> and so the first time he comes up to them, he, he like the bike's gonna look like it's gonna crash into him, and they're starting to freak out. And then like he does the like Mission Impossible my, motorcycle thing, where he just he hits the brakes, and the back of it comes up, and he's almost vertical on this bicycle mm, rickshaw. Yeah. And then there's they're driving, and uh, the 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 SUV goes by, and like a, a truck starts to back out that has these bamboo poles on it. And it shows him like jumping off the bike and in slow motion, like climbing over the poles and landing back on the bike. Love that. And then, and then uh, there's like a, uh, <laughs> they keep shooting him with the, with the, uh, with their guns and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like shooting at him and they can't hit him, but they keep hitting like, the the little bicycle bar <laughs> and then at some point like this like gas tank falls off a truck and uh like and then he like does the slow motion thing and it flies behind him and explodes as he's <laughs> coming out and then the best part of the whole thing if this wasn't absurd enough is they go around another switchback <laughs> oh my god he goes down the hill again and he hits this random ramp that's on the hill and they literally do like the mission impossible like dun 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 he's flying through the air with a gun they pull it out of his uh holst like his foot holster and uh <laughs> and he's flying through the air and there's a there's a guy like who had opened the door to the SUV and was shooting out the door of the SUV and as the the main action guy is like flying through the air, he's shooting at the SUV, and he somehow with his pistol <laughs> shoots the door off the SUV. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the bad guy <laughs> just like is leaning on the door, so he just falls out of the car, and and then that's how he gets the back. <laughs> So now nobody has to go watch the movie. You just got a very <laughs> detailed and accurate. But now that I've fiction. described it, you've got to watch the whole thing because it's so amazing. Man. Yeah, it sounds like an absurd movie. I mean, I guess it was so it was absurd on purpose the whole time. Yes. Right? They were being serious. So surely. Un- unclear. Uh okay. because when I when I first watched it, it was uh, described to me as this was like their first big attempt at like an action. Oh. You know, an action blockbuster. Kind and yeah, of you thing. watched it like it was threat level midnight. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't. I mean, it, it, there's definitely comedy in it. So there, it was meant to be a comedy to some extent, but it, it was just amazing. <laughs> like, did you ever watch that movie, um, Kung Pao Enter the Fist? Oh yes. So <laughs> I have a funny story about this actually. Okay. I forget who I went to go see that with, but we were late to the movie at the theater and we got there and we missed the first like 10 minutes. And then we were watching this like, we're like, this is so stupid. And we didn't, we just left. We didn't even finish the movie. And then many years later, I watched it from the beginning and I realized, oh my God, we missed the most important part, which is that, is this was like 
an idea that I had had for I, I, at some point that I was like, I wish I could make this movie. And then they made this movie, which is they uh, basically took like a bunch of old Kung Fu footage and voiced over it. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know that. And so I'm like, why is this movie so dumb and terrible? But knowing that... It makes it like the most amazing. Oh, it's it's so good. It's act- and you know what's weird is it's hard to find. I feel like I've is been it? trying to find oh. it because I wanted to try to force Madison to watch it. Oh, and I can't find it anywhere. It's very strange. It is strange. Yeah, and it, the worst part is is I I quote it all the time and nobody ever gets it. <laughs> uh, I, can, I would get it. Somebody somebody was trying to like they were walking across the room from me or whatever. They're coming towards me and I just went chosen <laughs> and they were like what <laughs> yeah, never mind you wouldn't get it it's <laughs> how do i even explain that so if anybody's seen it you get it and if you haven't seen it i mean it probably doesn't matter <laughs> it's a silly movie but it's it was uh it was a great idea though like overdubbed videos on instagram is some of my favorite things ever <laughs> like watching people like overdub situations or animals or something it's always funny what was the one that was popular on YouTube for a while that like overdubbed sports things, like sports footage? Oh, bad lip reading. They're still around. Oh yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, they're still around. There's a new even you know when you know when they would do like yeah they would do uh, like football and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, those were always funny because it was like you were hearing you know obviously it's like you're like it's like what you're hearing the microphones or whatever in their helmets or whatever and. There's an Instagram account called Unmiked or Unmuted Miked or something like that or Miked Up, Miked Up something, and so is what is what it's called. <laughs> and the you whole got there eventually, yeah. The whole the whole account is just video of what they actually say in their helmets and during games, like in football games and stuff. There's some really good ones, and I'm like, man, this it actually reminds you a little of bad lip reading. Like some of the shit they say, I'm like, I think maybe they're actually really saying that kind of stuff sometimes. <laughs> so like it's like so weird, and they always say the weirdest shit. But it was a that's a funny account because um, it's also I need true. a potty break. Oh, okay, we're gonna pause then. Oh, gross! Back after these sponsors. that I've ever really been high. Um, I don't, I'm assuming that other people that identify as wives have perhaps felt that way, but I think my high would probably be more of a contentment, which is some form of peace, (laughs) as difficult and as as elusive as that can be. But yeah, I don't really ever get hysterical or jump up and down or show too much emotions which I don't think is going to surprise either of you but yeah I, I think my high is probably what other people would consider very close to a medium if that makes any sense is going to see this but you can see here as i'm scrolling like how much 
Oh my god. There is. Holy shit. <laughs> Just oh, wait, keeps, no, keeps going. Keeps going. Yeah. Apparently I put screenshots of something in there. Uh wow. <laughs> it's still going. These are full paragraphs. Yeah. You're still scrolling. Oh, no. oh God. It's still going. Hold on. Get down to the bottom. Okay, here we go. Wow. <laughs> what was your first high thought? Uh, you know, I think I've read that one to you before. Like, after no. it happened. Here you haven't, though. Um. Okay. Let's tell the listeners. All right, hold on. I'm all the way down at the bottom, so let me... <laughs> Oh my god! Most recent one. I don't even know what. I don't even really remember writing this. <laughs> the comedian archetype is an expression of our ability to notice patterns. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the world is. <laughs> the world is not a dome. It's a womb. We are each a reborn society. Reborn how? I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. Hold on. Um would did your first high thought come from the first time you got high? Uh not the first time I got high, no. Those would have been sometime after. <laughs> Oh man. You can see like uh how I can get really paranoid sometimes. So what mm -hmm. if what if every single thing around you exists for the sole purpose of getting you to believe something specific about reality? That is the matrix. <laughs> is it? <laughs> is it the matrix? No, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, all right. The art we create is what projects reality out in front of us. We must make better art. Amen, brother. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so you haven't changed at all since we were 21. Every screen and mirror is the eye of Sauron. <laughs> it's a black hole. <laughs> the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so ominous. The doomsday are over here. Oh my god. Oh. Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> this is so okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> the constellation is the archetype. Its configuration determines its dominance in the signal humanity receives, which is consciousness. That is what astrology really is, which is how karma passes on the signal to our DNA. <laughs> karma isn't what happens to us and collects on us. Karma is what forms us. It creates our matter. It is the source of the signal, the outermost source. Yeah, there's some phrases in there that are really funny and flashy, I guess. At least that seems to be their purpose. But I mean, what you're saying, though, that's an interesting thought. At least it makes somewhat sense. It was acting like it was going somewhere. Oh my also, God. what's up with you and archetypes? <laughs> oh, I've never explained that to you. I'm sure you have, but I don't remember <laughs> it. All right, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. All right, there, there we go. 
All right. <laughs> oh my god! I know this is so. This stupid. better be so good. This is so stupid. We are actually upside down. They admitted it all along with the story of how our brains flip the image our eyes receive. The ocean is a higher dimension, and outer space is the quantum realm. <laughs> what? That doesn't even make sense. Oh, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> hey, maybe this is a bad idea. This is, this is a great idea. <laughs> this one just says, the moon is the Death Star. <laughs> It sure looks like it. <laughs> it's fun. The thing was, was that supposed to be profound or were you being paranoid? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this one's... Do you, for anyone who's listening who knows what uh, MCV framework is in coding, the model controller view... It's a way to structure code so that there's sort of separation of concerns. And uh, the <laughs> so I wrote this, going back to the archetypes thing, I think this is one of the first things I wrote on it, which is okay. <clears throat> archetypes are the model. Time is the controller. We are the view. <laughs> That tweet is now a thought in someone's digital brain. <laughs> That's what it says. Wow. No, so, so the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to answer your question about archetypes. This is where I'm going with this. It'll just take a little while to get there. Well, of course, it will. <laughs> you do this when you're not high. Okay, so. Shit, I don't remember where I was going with it. What did I just say? Archetypes? Yeah, but what did I just say? I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Oh, the... Okay, so... Oh, okay. I got it. I'm back. All right. Okay. Do you remember when I wanted you to watch His Dark Materials? Yeah. Um. So, in the show... And it's slash book. What is dust? What is dust? Yeah. Okay. So like Do a you test remember? to see if I actually watched the show. Um, <laughs> dust is, oh shit, what is dust? I know it has to do with the uh, city in the sky, right? Yeah. Dust, what is Did dust? you watch the second season? Yes. Do you remember the scientist lady? Scientist lady. Hmm. She has a, I want to say, Irish or Scottish accent. Red hair. Oh, man, you don't remember this at all. Damn it. Well, this ruins my whole... I'm trying to remember. I don't know. <clears throat> okay, so... What happens at the end of the first season? Is that when they uh, the that's when they go through Aurora? The, they go through the door, the like yeah passageway. Oh right, and then they find themselves on that island or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's the second season. Yeah. So then the end of the no, yeah, okay. I'm trying to remember which one ends in the snow. You know what I'm talking about? The first season. That is, that's all in the same scene. Okay. 
Hmm. Yeah, I don't think I I may not have finished the second season then. Damn it. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so remember how like I told you about the first time that I got high and uh like the crazy experience that I had with that. And then I watched this show for the first time. And like even in the intro, I was like getting freaked out because it was like a visual of things that I experienced but couldn't explain. Yeah. And and so there's there's stuff in that show that like I ever since I had that experience the first time that I got high, I have these like my spidey sense moments. <laughs> It's okay. the best way that I could describe them where like it is like a from a physical sensation sort of a thing. Uh-huh. Um of just like when you know when you hear something and you know that what they're like what you're hearing has a has a deeper meaning that is like Yeah. Like more true. You know what I mean? Like in like voluminous truth. So like a mind's eye thing, or is is that what mind's eye is? Uh, I guess. Well, like I, that means it's so hard for me to like watch certain types of shows and movies and stuff because I, I'll get that on certain things and I'll I'll be like, wait, I'll I'll look over at Amy and just be like, oh, this means this, and she's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um, so one of the things that I experienced when I kind of went to a crazy altered state of consciousness because I took too much of an edible Mm -hmm. the first time I got high by accident. And uh, I sort of like was transported out of body and had these different conscious experiences. Mm. One of which was traversing like space time and and interacting with it okay and like the best way that i could describe it is it's it's like a electric liquid or fluid it's like if electricity could be a fluid Mm -hmm. at that like like a multiple layers of densities going down and there were these things that were coming through and piercing all those layers, um, which created a, uh, like a gravity well. And kind of like a black hole, Mm -hmm. you know? And what I was learning from that was that this is essentially like consciousness in becoming matter. And the the layers are kind of different frequencies that we pick up on as our personalities. And when a, an, an archetype forms, it, it sucks in the frequencies around it. And so that it's like a gravity well for consciousness. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Um, and and so the we've talked about before, like the idea of living in a fractal universe where it's just like a, um, like, so in a, it's like a recursive function all the way up and down where it's like, 
it's the same patterns just scaling up and scaling all the way down infinitely. Mm-hmm. And so we we see this pattern in nature all over the place of like the, the tree's roots, yeah, you know, and which looks a lot like neural pathways um, yep. and which look a lot like, you know, um, what's the, what do they call it? that goes between the stars in like a galaxy. Mm. Um, I forget the name for it now. But this is this pattern all over. Um, and it's it's those archetypes forming. And the thing that it pulls in, the thing that's attracted to it, that holds that signal, is karma. Which... What I was trying to explain from the show, I wanted you to watch it first, was uh, in the show, in the first world, they they call it dust, but when they come over to our world, they call it dark matter. Mm. And and then it, at some point she interacts, it, it becomes sentient, and she asks it, she figures out how to communicate with it, asks it like what it is like dust. Cause they're able to detect it and collect it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it says, I'm an angel. Mm. Um, and so we're essentially like expressions of these archetypes or these gravity wells that kind of pierce through. Mm. And, <clears throat> um, when we're young, all that is still in flux because the, the, the karma doesn't attach to us. And the show is what the, mm-hmm. the whole thing, you know, like with the kids, the reason why they are trying to sever before the, their, their animal, their daemon picks a final form is because that's when the archetype is sort of settled on and that's when dust starts collecting to it. Oh. And so when you essentially by severing the the I think where the magisterium was coming from or the work that they were trying to do there is like by severing that before that happens in theory then the dust should never collect to it and they called they also called the magisterium called the dust sin. Mhm. It's all the same thing. Another word for it is karma and from my understanding that there's a religion that called Jainism from way back in the day and like India, yeah that and this is how they thought about karma is as sort of like a like particles that sort of collect to you and so um <clears throat> and in that is well I have this my own sort of like theory of what that means but in this sort of like altered state that I was talking about I saw that like that the karma the reason why they call it sin is because we are basically a giant probability field because if you go all the way down into, you know, looking at things like electrons, they're not really anywhere. They're just like a probability field until they're measured. And, and when they move from one place to another, it's like they go through all possible routes and the only, and then, and then they pick one after it's measured. It's like, a, it's like the weirdest thing. Like quantum mechanics is the strangest shit I've ever looked into. <laughs> It's so counterintuitive, but my sort of theory, part of my theory around this is that the, like, when I say my theory, I mean that like what I experienced in my state plus like what 
the stories are around some of this stuff and then trying to tie that together. Not that I'm saying like, I think that this is reality, but I think like this is the, what the experience is trying to say. But I think that that the karma is that sort of collects on you is what starts tilting the probabilities in certain directions. So if you think about it, like if you are riding a bike and you, you know, sling a heavy backpack over just one shoulder, as much as you try, you're going to be fighting against like leaning to the right. And so that's kind of like the idea behind karma is that as it starts to weigh on you, you start to lean in certain directions more often. And then the more that you do that, the more karma you collect with that, and then which, which then makes you lean more in that direction. And then, uh, and then eventually you're creating this really deep rut, right? And that's how neural pathways are formed. That is also, have you ever really thought about how weird it is to record music? Hmm. Probably not at the depth that you have, I'm guessing. But like, but think think about it for a second. Okay, so the first music that was recorded, how, do you know what it was recorded on? What was it? So it was, I think it's called like a sonophone or some something like this. But the um, it's essentially a wax cylinder that spins mm-hmm. with a needle that records the sounds into it, and then eventually that turned flat and turned into um, vinyl. Right. Um, and I think early on it was like wax or cl- it wasn't clay, but something something along those lines. So have you ever just like really thought about the mechanics of being able to sit down and play an instrument and sing? Or just like, just not even the instrument, right? Just just the, 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 the mechanics that go behind you, your brain sending electrical signals throughout your body instantaneously causing you to breathe in think about formulate language that what you're trying to communicate then translate that into musical notes across a pattern that's pleasing to the ear right and then taking that uh that air that you've breathed in and then pushing it back out and like constricting and extracting the muscles in your throat and your your tongue and like your vocal cords in just the right, right way to create the vibrations that end up being the sounds that represent the things that you thought in your head that came from electrical signals from somewhere. And then that goes out of your mouth and everything inside of that structure of like your nose and your mouth and your tongue and the your hard palate versus your soft palate, how much mucus you have, you know, the how long you've been talking for the day, how tired your vocal cords are. All of that then creates this <laughs> unique signature texture and sound to your voice. Mm-hmm. And that I, that that then gets somehow pushed through the air and picked up by someone. So like if just you and I are doing this, like by someone else's ears, but and then that has to get translated. But before that, and then now we're talking about recording it, essentially like a little needle on a... Uh, a metal object that is wider at one end and narrower on the other that then gets compresses the the sound waves down to something some sort of sensor i don't even actually know how this works <laughs> that then that then makes a little needle move on a piece of wax mm-hmm. and then 
that just that action of a little needle moving on a piece of wax can then be put in reverse for a needle to read those little things that got put in that wax and then completely reconstruct a perfect version of the sound coming back out the other way of that metal thing into someone's ears and then they can hear it and and actually make sense of what was being communicated and be moved emotionally by the tones and the rhythms and then their body can respond and even want to dance and they can uh, they can you know create tears for whatever reason and 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 they can sing along and like holy shit <laughs> Like the the mechanics of that is insane, mm-hmm. and what I'm saying is that is basically how time and consciousness work. Oh dear listener, <laughs> are you still with us? Do you wish you weren't? <laughs> Whatever, dude. That was gold. <laughs> Can't wait. You Thank you for back. coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> it was like seven TED Talks. <laughs> and one. Oh, my God. That was so much. <laughs> I, like, floated off into space and rubber banded, like, three times. Oh, I know. I can see it on your face. Oh, God. <laughs> Just glaze over. You're the one who asked me what what's up with the archetypes. Oh, my God. That's what this was about. <laughs> I told you it'd take us a while to get there. <laughs> You really, you really, uh, you cap- capitalized. No, but like, if you think about it, <laughs> no, no, no more. I haven't really been high intentionally except for maybe one time. I'm not really a big fan of getting high, mostly because it messes with my mental state. Although I have to admit that sometimes natural substances do have an appeal to me. For example, there's one particular tea that I tried, and I won't mention it, but it actually flattened all my emotions, which was interesting. But then I realized that some things I should have been upset about, I wasn't upset about. And I knew that that wasn't natural. So I didn't like that effect, even though it is kind of nice to have the emotions muted for a while. But as far as ever being high, not on a big scale. Unlike other people, they may enjoy it. But I've never really tried most substances, except for the common ones. And really, the common ones really didn't do much for me. So for me, it wasn't really that big of a deal. And it wasn't really an exciting experience. But then I've never tried anything harder than what we usually see out there. And maybe, like I said, a few things by accident. But it really didn't make a difference for me. I know there's got to be someone out there who gets what I'm saying. Oh, please write us. Write us, I don't want to. In the middle of that. (laughs) Oh, man. Did you eat all that damn cheese by yourself? No, there's plenty right here. <laughs> it was the quietest thing. I was trying not to chomp chips into the microphone. <laughs> oh, man. So where do we go from there? Oh, you know, I've been wanting to say something. Oh, since... God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Confession time. We... No, no, no. Here we go. Here we go. Because we haven't really talked about Silo 
that. Oh much. my god. This is all the, this this is not only an entertaining episode. I, I won't say it's entertaining. It's not only a uh, meant for the category of entertainment episode, but now it's literally about entertainment. <laughs> how many how many shows and movies have we referenced? I mean, oh, dude, I have so many. I mean, like, yeah, obviously. So I, do I. So like the, but I mean, like specifically in what I was just talking about, and then oh. like finding all of these little things that cooperate, <laughs> like finding these patterns everywhere. That's pretty funny. You're like the number 23. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but every time I bring something up like this, you ask me that question. <laughs> God. You need to watch the movie. Apparently, yeah. Uh, the number 23 is in everything. And it always has a circular pattern. So everything looks like a pattern when you think about the number 23. It's basically the premise of the movie. And then once you read it, watch it, you're like, fuck, <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> you just see these patterns everywhere. And that's the whole joke of it. You're like that. You see patterns. So I am, I'm curious in that show, Uh huh. is there one scene that stuck out to you more than the others? It's hard because as I watched it, I constantly fell asleep. So I'd have to go back and oh, watch no. all the episodes over and over again. Oh, um, and by the way, we're probably going to say spoilers. We're trying not to, but if you haven't seen uh, the show, I highly recommend it. Definitely recommend, yeah, definitely recommend it. Maybe try to figure out how to fast forward past this. Because it's really, it's part of the, part of the kind of the charm of that first season was the fact that you really like didn't know where it was going at first. And like, they really, they give you hints all the way when you go back mm-hmm. and rewatch it. But yeah. like, you're just kind of along for the ride because you're still trying to get used to a new world and a new thing and like a whole different situation. Yeah. Um, also the game theory behind that, the story is pretty genius. I think Game theory? Yeah. Like basically incentive structures and flow of information and oh like, yeah trade-offs and stuff like that no it was really well thought out yeah. like society that they built it was really and all of the social rules that in was, terms of controlling a group of five thousand people uh, yeah 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 for sure ten thousand is that how many <coughs> like 50, i forget how many it's it like was five I, or ten. it was a lot yeah more than you think it's stuck in this silo yeah um the thing that sticks out to me most about that show like a specific scene no it's like are there any scenes that really stuck out to you i mean other than the very last scene before it cuts off to credits in the last episode (laughs) um let's see there's uh them looking at the screen okay so this i cannot get this out of my head i think about it still like Uh probably every day okay that this is your Roman Empire. The the look on her face when she walked into that fucking room and she said, We never stood a chance. When she realized the true depth and breadth uh that they had in terms of controlling society and mm. surveilling society. Yeah. On a on a completely other other level, and do you know what the like the arbitrage is in that? Mm. It's the technology, the fact that uh, one yeah. group had technology that the other group c- couldn't even conceive of. Right. Yeah. And then they passed it off as ordinary technology that they were familiar with that was harmless. Mm-hmm. I can't stop thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is my TV actually doing up there on the wall? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 
so that's why I was uh that's why I was I I read that uh every screen is the eye of Sauron because oh, okay. I had written that before I saw the show and when I saw that I was like oh my god yes <laughs> oh man that was but it makes you ask the question like is there something like that in the real world hmm. Well, I'm, yeah, there's there's a lot of metaphors from that show that I feel like they were making that connection. Ugh, can't reach my water. <laughs> there it is. But you know what I mean? Like, the is there is there a technology that is so far beyond what we can conceive of that's being used to essentially take advantage of everyone who doesn't know about it? Oh, I mean, yeah, alien technology for sure. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, is that part of what what this thing has been about? <laughs> oh man what kind of technology is being used against us what, did, what was the question so like in the show right there's a technology that the society couldn't even conceive existed yeah, right it was so far beyond their understanding of mm -hmm. what technology could do right and then that technology was being used to control them yes yeah and they had no idea because because this the one one small group had such a, like orders of magnitude greater depth and breadth of information. Yeah. And the ability to exchange that information faster than anyone else. Then that created an arbitrage between those two gr groups. that was so great that the, the a small group of people could have near total control over a much larger group of people. So is there technology that exists today that is like in in this in our world that that is the same way like something we can't even conceive of or something that's like so far beyond that we would just say oh that's science fiction if we heard it mm. are you like genuinely asking me to think of something i know i'm i'm just putting the question out there do you know the answer to this no question? no no this is the question that's been haunting me for the last uh, since i watched the show basically yeah I mean, for sure. Like, what could it be? Like, thinking about specifically in the terms of like what what they did, which was they put things out and said that it was one thing, but it's another. Like, yeah, there was like a dual purpose there. Like, what what are things that we have in our lives that everyone use that we're told are for one thing, but they have this other function that we w w wouldn't even think would be possible. Oh, it'd have to be phones. Yeah. It has to. Right. And the reason why I say that this doesn't exclude aliens, but it also doesn't require them. Yeah. Because if you, let's say that there was a group of people who discovered electromagnetism like 500 years before we, you know, we were told. Mm-hmm. And they were able to send like short and long wave radio signals and things and could communicate across the globe basically in like the middle ages medieval times right what what then could they do with that right to start positioning themselves as becoming more wealthy more powerful handing that secret down generation to generation mm -hmm. over time the gap between them and society just grows exponentially to the point where let's say by the 1900s there's a full-on breakaway civilization that has advanced separately because they've kept certain knowledge and technologies hidden that aided in their advancement 
to the point where they had become so technologically superior, they don't even see us as the same race anymore. And they just want to control us in order to produce for them. It doesn't even require something. And you could, you could take, take that time scale back. Like what, what if there was a, cause I mean, humanity, like humans in their modern anatomical form, I think date somewhere between two to 3 million years old. Last I heard. That's a long fucking time to have civilizations form and fall. Yeah. What if there was a past civilization? Because our civilization, like the most kind of conservative estimates from mainstream science is like, you know, I think it's somewhere around like five to 6,000 years old. Yeah. And that's when they say civilization, like human civilization formed. And we went from hunter-gatherer to, you know, agriculture and yeah cities and specialization and industry and all that right Mm -hmm. what if there was a civilization that formed you know fifty thousand years ago and they had 35 40 years of technological progress got wiped out by something like the younger dryas uh impact hypothesis right that caused the last ice age right and they got mostly wiped out but something like that happens because I mean they're you know like the, the theory would be that they most of the population would live on the coast because that's where most of the population lives today mm-hmm. and if there's a massive like rapid rise in sea level that would wipe out that whole civilization right but there would be some remaining few and they would essentially only the only other people who would survive would be like hunter gatherers like today like we still have hunter gatherers in the world today mm. they know how to survive right. they don't need modern society but if our society gets wiped out very few people are going to survive mm-hmm. and then the 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 level of difference between let's say us 30,000 years in the future and a hunter gatherer the difference between those two people would make one look like a god and I'm just saying, to me, that is not, that doesn't sound like a completely outlandish idea. Yeah, I agree with that. I also, it's it's crazy the differences in interpretation that we get from a show. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, for me, I, I didn't even go that direction with Silo. My th- thing with Silo was like, yes, with the control and yes, with all the things. But then... You take it even into a bigger picture, and you know at the very end, it's like you realize that they were one of an infinite amount of silos. Spoiler, and everything they had ever known was a simulation. Essentially, it was just like this fabricated existence, and so like that control goes so much bigger. And then, of course, that 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 leads you down to simulation theory, like of our existence pretty quickly, right? So then, like each our Earth and our or our whatever is like just a silo let me just let me throw this out here what if this is westworld right and we are the hosts oof okay (laughs) that's what that show's really about it's also what jurassic park is about we're the dinosaurs right yeah so it's not a lesson to us well it is a lesson to us but it's also like our origin story Mm. okay it's the same writer who wrote both of those that's what I'm saying. Wrote Jurassic Park and Westworld? Mm-hmm. Huh. Michael Crichton? Crichton, yeah. yeah. I didn't know he wrote Westworld. Pretty sure, cool. yeah. Hmm. 
It's another show I never finished. Yeah, me either. Second season was good, but I don't think I ever started the third. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember where we are anymore. <laughs> well, we were just talking about Silent. You said you got a completely different... Yeah, just like know, just a simulation theory. Oh, thinking. okay. Like instead of like... I don't know, whatever the fuck you said for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so The Good Place is also oh. a story of Westworld. Story of Westworld? Yeah. How so? Basically, there there are similar themes where... So spoilers on The Good Place, if you haven't watched it. But absolutely it should. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, one of my favorite shows of all time. It is the most important show of our generation. Yeah. Um, so you've got this, this group of people that are so technologically inferior to this other group of people that they don't even know what's going on, that the entire Mm. reality around them is, is constructed and that the, the people who are tormenting them are not even on the same, they're not even made of the same stuff. Mm. Right. Right. And anytime you start to figure out what's going on, you get wiped. Right. Until you can finally figure out how to override that and break into the the next world. Hmm. It's the same fucking show, dude. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good, like a good uh, mode of transportation for a good story, you know, to like really get to people and make them think about it. Everybody's always yeah. just trying to express that story in a different way, I guess. Yeah, so why is that? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we all I don't know. Is it an is it an expression of a, like a, a uh, our lived reality at an unconscious level trying to get out? Like we have some sort of intuitive sense at an unconscious like reincarnation? Level. Uh yeah. Yeah. Or like, yeah, or like simulation type stuff, you know, mm, okay. like, like this is the matrix. Like we've been wiped and started over in yeah. numerous times. Yeah. I totally get that feeling sometimes. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. How, how do you get that feeling? Well, sometimes when I'm high. <laughs> yeah. But outside of that, I've had some r- real weird deja vu's. Mm-hmm. And my deja vu comes with a sense of how long ago I actually experienced this thing. Hmm. And it's varying. And so it's either like premonition psychic abilities or it's like memories that didn't weren't fully wiped bleeding through. Don't they just say that deja vu is... Our brain's awareness <laughs> catching up with itself of writing long-term memories. They, that's one thing that's been said. What if they say that to hide what it really is? So this is where you cross into conspiracy theory territory because they get, keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, across all modes of communication, including, yeah. What? No, all you have to do is plant an idea and amplify an idea and it becomes a social contagion essentially that like a brain worm that works its way into people's consciousness and and they just believe a thing because they've been told it all their life 
and you only have to really plant it once and then if it's the right seed at the right time in the right way it'll grow on its own you don't have to do anything yeah i mean this is what was used over and over again with the ufo stuff mm-hmm. cuz they could sound really you know ambiguous and can also sound like it has to encompass you know half of the population but when you realize that there's an arbitrage between information and technology right it's not that hard to imagine that a very small group can control a very large group hmm but to make that jump and say that a study that came out about like neuroscience was also influenced by this message somehow by their result, by their findings. You're thinking about it backwards. Okay. Yeah. You're thinking about it backwards. So let's, let's back up and, and go and say that there's, let, let's just operate under the assumption that to some degree, what I'm saying is true, that there's mm-hmm. uh, what, what I like to call, I got this, uh, term from a guy named Richard Dolan, who's a UFO researcher, breakaway civilization. Okay, it's actually, I mean, you, you, you could look at the world and the way that it is now and say that that is very obviously true, in a sense, because there is a group of people that live such a different life to mm. the rest of us that they are a bro- like they're they've bro- broken away as a civilization. Yeah, for sure. Um. Might not be to the degree of what you know I was describing as kind of a thought experiment earlier. Mm-hmm. So what they what they've done is they've controlled they've amassed such an inconceivable amount of wealth that they have the resources to set up the incentive structures. Right. This is what we talked about in like the politics episode. Uh huh. Right. When those incentive structures are set up in a way that you control them and you control the flow of information because you control the incentive structures, right? When it's set up in that way, you, you, you don't have to concoct this plan where you're planting an idea in one person and there, and then kind of coercing them to do this thing for you. And then you're coercing all of these other people to then amplify the message of that thing until it gains enough traction where it hits a tipping point. That's not how it works. And that would actually not work at all. And, but that's how, that's how it, conspiracy theories are, are framed in the mainstream because it's a straw man, because it's really easy to, to, get, like, to go out you know, ad infinitum and to absurdity with this, mm-hmm. to where the conspiracy has to basically encompass the whole globe, everyone but you, and then you're in the Truman Show, mm-hmm. right? But that's not actually how it works because it couldn't work that way. It works the opposite of that which is where you've got a society in which you've structured essentially you have a perpetual wealth theft machine Mm. that people don't realize that's amassing wealth to you but it's also creating a sense of underlying urgency and anxiety for the people who who in a very real way have this sense that their wealth is getting stolen from them every day, but they can't actually put that into words mm. or point to who's doing it. It's yeah. just the sense of everything is getting more expensive. Every life is getting harder, not easier. No matter how hard I work, I can't get ahead. Right. Yeah. All of this stuff. Right. And then that just, that the, the, the threshold for that just grows and grows and grows to where like, I know people 
making six figures now who are just like, I can't pay my bills. And I remember when like six figures was a dream, you know, it's like, if I could just get to the point in my career where I can mm. make six figures, I'll be set for life. Yeah. And I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah. You know, it wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. And, and, and now it's like, people are saying that like, you know, pretty soon a million dollars isn't going to feel like much. Right. And that's just a, that's a really weird phenomenon. So, but if the wealth is going somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. If it's going from you, it's going to someone. And and so then you've got this ability to. So in like evolutionary evolutionary biology, there's this term selective pressure, mm -hmm. which is in the the process of adaptation. If you can change the environment in some way that actively selects for one trait over the other, you can sort of force adaptations over time to go in the direction that you want. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying they're doing. They're putting selective <clears throat> pressure. So if you, if you create first an open marketplace of ideas, you can, and, and then you have access to all of those for the information on mm -hmm. all of those, then you can find the ones that best align with your ideology and where you want to go. And then you start funding those and you make sure funding doesn't go to the ones that compete with yours. Right. And so eventually you'll get to the point where, you know, you're rewarding the behaviors you want and the, the mindsets that you want. You're going to get outcomes that you want. It, you're not going to get it all the time, but you're going to drastically increase the probability that you're going to get outcomes that you want. And then you just keep an eye out for those. And then once those hit, then you make sure that the amplification engine also has the same incentive structures, right? So I'll give you an example of this. So, so two examples here. Like, so there are there are ways to fund certain studies, mm -hmm. make sure that the studies you want get funded, and the ones that you don't don't get funded. And there are ways to make sure that you you know certain studies get published in journals, and certain ones don't, and right. And that can either be explicitly through, you know, threat or blackmail or something like that. I'm sure there is some of that that goes on, but that's not going to work. That's not going to work as much as you would think that it would work. And that's sort of the reality of it and how another thing of how conspiracy theories um, aren't taken seriously. But I actually don't think that's required. All you have to do is set up a incentive structure and like reinforcement mechanism that runs in a way that uh isn't it appears natural so i'll give you a, i'll give you an example of this right on the media side and i know this because i worked in marketing most of my career when social media really took off the conversation really started to change in terms of what marketers and i would i would put in newspapers into that as well because they are they're crafting narratives to get eyeballs. Right. Right. The conversation started happening, like started shifting from like how many visits did we get to our website into how many people like this Yeah, viewed post, this post or interacted with retweeted this Retweeted this tweet. Yeah. Right? And those became the sort of leading metrics on making decisions, specifically making decisions on what content gets created. Mm. Right. And that as, and this, I mean, this is like very obvious, but the websites that, uh, that you interact with every day are 
are looking at analytics and figuring out what, like making placing bets on what they think is going to get the most attention based on what is getting attention right now already. And then they're creating content for that. Right. So when Elon Musk took over Twitter, some some people kind of came out of the work there, sort of whistleblowing about some different things. But one of the things that came out was just an estimation of like actual bot activity on yeah on Twitter, and they like some people were saying it was upwards of like fifty percent. That's a lot. Wow, that is a lot. Now, what do you think is the purpose of that? Like what are maybe a better a better way to ask this like what what how do you think that they would act would actually like what incentive do they have for doing that bots yeah um well information is worth a lot bots are usually collecting information no these bots are 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 posing as these aren't collecting information bots these are bots like on social media yeah so they're posing as people right well then it's the other way around right it's a uh, influence and how do like how can you give me an example of how that might work like how could a how could a bot like influence anything if it's pretending to be a person by trolling (laughs) i mean the russian interference thing that happened you know with you know facebook and the the bots you know creating pages and creating posts and doing things to sway people politically like you know, or spread misinformation, whatever you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that controls the society. It controls the way. That's you know the reason why the whole election interference thing that happened in the beginning was, to me, less about like integrity of elections and more about like a, a wake up call of how people can be controlled. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so you're talking about the 2016 election? Yeah. Well, like you know, exposure. most of that was BS, right? What it, do you mean? The whole election interference thing, Russia collusion thing. Like they proved it in court. Like that, that all started at, as a tactic by the Clinton campaign. They paid this lawyer to essentially come to the FBI with a dossier. The, the dossier, yeah, which yeah. was completely made up. Right, but what I'm saying is, but the the very the, real. I'm not talking about the the case. I'm talking about the whole thing with Facebook and exposing the bots that right, were but Russian. That, but that that narrative was kind of part of that whole agenda and that whole campaign. It was way way overblown. The effect was actually like negligible. But the what we heard was like that was a big part of the whole campaign. Because if you think about it, it makes sense. How good were bots back then? They're like super shitty. Like the the story that we wanted, that we were they were wanting us to believe is like there's some group of people that's an other. It's not us. It's never us. It's just mm-hmm. a, an other group that is so incredibly stupid that they're falling for bots, Russian bots, at that, creating content. That then tricks them into believing things that are untrue that they want to believe, and so they'll go vote for this person. When you say it out loud, that sounds absurd, mm. but that's what we were being asked to believe, and a lot of us did because we wanted to because we hated Donald Trump so much, <laughs> and and that's kind of what I've been coming around to is like all there's a lot of those things that I then look at and I'm like oh that was like completely made up. 
And and actually, Trump was right about this shit. And I hate even saying those words. But that has happened more often than I'm comfortable with, to be honest. And so, like, because I've, I've gone down this whole path of, of that, thinking about, like, it, the bots, if they if the bots operate in that way, there's no real incentive. I mean, I know that there are some people, like older people who are especially who are like mentally declining, who will fall for you know bots kind of phishing schemes and stuff like that. So there's an incentive there because there's monetary reward there, right? Mm-hmm. But like on social media, they're able to squash that pretty like they can handle like getting rid of that. So like, what is the incentives? for bots to be on social media. And that I started like going down this path and thinking through because like the content they're creating is, yeah, there are some that are more sophisticated. And then there's also the question of like, (laughs) when I go back to that technology arbitrage, um, how long has AI actually been good? And we didn't know about it. Oh, for sure. Right. So that's a whole other thing. But well, the bots posting content though, like they weren't, posting a lot of them weren't posting content that they created they were just searching the internet for things with certain types of headlines and reposting those things sure yeah but that all that's doing is amplifying existing things right right yeah but specific things so and and also the the algorithms can catch a lot of that stuff too like it's it when they're doing that sort of thing it's really easy to tell when it's when it's a bot mm-hmm but I realized there's a there's an even simpler explanation for like the incentives, like the what are the rewards for this? Mm-hmm. If you've built, you know, a million bot army, you don't have to create any content. You don't even have to like post any content, or, uh, or you know, scrape the web or whatever. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Because you can influence the marketing reward system. So going back to the conversation, to the part of the conversation earlier, where, where people started moving from certain, uh, one some metrics over to social media metrics, mm-hmm. and they're looking at that and looking at the in order to determine what content to create. You do the same thing that I was talking about with studies. Mm-hmm. And as journalists come up and creators are coming up, they're when especially when you start out, you're, you're trying lots of different things, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like I'm posting on this topic and I'm getting a ton of engagement and I post on this topic and I'm getting nothing. And it's because a lot of my, half of my followers are actually bots and they're programmed to find specific types of content and like those the most and and then and then not like these and so it gives this perception of like oh my audience loves this but they don't love this so i'm going to write more mm. about the thing that they love and all of a sudden it becomes this like self enforcing loop where i i have given the perception of a reward of attention in my audience and growing of a following and growing an audience but it's not real but it is influencing the content that gets created. Not just at like a content creator level, but at a journalist level too. Because mm-hmm. editors are looking at what is getting views on the website and what isn't, and what's getting shared on social media and what isn't, right? And and writers are looking at that to determine like what, what topics they should go after, right? 
And so it's actually not even as complicated as we've made it in terms of how you can influence because then people with power and wealth, they can come to these shady firms that have bot armies and they say, this is the agenda that I'm pushing. Find find the stories and things that communicate this and amplify those. Right. And then I want you to make sure that your bots don't ever touch anything that has to do with these things. And it looks organic, but it's completely contrived. And so then we end up living in this world where we feel more and more and more and more polarized. And we have no idea if it's actually that way or if it's something that's been constructed over time, slowly pushing us farther and farther apart when we actually have a lot more in common than we realize. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But the whole point I'm making here is like, we have this idea based off the, the stories we've been fed about what a conspiracy theory is, mm-hmm. and it's this, it's too grand to be believable. And what I'm saying is that's a straw man that was created to make us not believe in conspiracy theories because the what's actually required is completely believable. And, and we have many examples of it proven to be happening in different ways, mm. but we don't, we don't connect those pieces together. Right. Okay. <laughs> All you need is a long enough time horizon and you can create some, you know, it's it's pretty easy to see how you can create the outcomes you want if you have that that gap between that breakaway society and the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I I I see how that is possible. Um yeah, and I think the difference between where you are right now and where I am is I have significantly increased the probability of that <laughs> the the more I research and the more that I learn. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Now like the what I mean, I think I've said this before, like there are no certainties of probabilities. Right. That's kind of how mm-hmm. I've I've had to start thinking. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm just constantly like recalculating probabilities of things in my head. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of work. Oh, it's exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> you got more patience for that than me. Like, I'm I'm fine with learning things. I can absorb all the information about things that I like. Yeah, like things that I'm doing or learning or or whatever. But like, just going down rabbit holes and searching and learning more things and analyzing information. Like, I feel like I was like that for a while, and then something happened in the last couple of years <laughs> where I just was like, I don't can't do it anymore. Well, you've been in survival mode for a while. That is true. Yeah, survival mode definitely small makes your world smaller. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you still high? Yeah. Okay. High enough to where at this point I'm like, we got to land this plane. I'm running out of things to talk about. Uh, My brain's starting to slow down. How long have we been recording? I even. Oh, we've done at least two episodes worth of talking. We've been recording for over two hours. Okay. Well, I think I warned everyone that I get kind of schizo when I'm high. So, yeah. Just ignore everything that I said, especially you, CIA guys. What? That's the, uh, oh my God. We need to put in like the, the show notes of this episode to just like, if you don't have some time just to kill for no fucking reason, just skip this episode. <laughs> Go on to the next. Yeah, I have no idea how this is going to turn out. Like when I start uh, editing yeah. it, 
I've got to listen through all this shit. The funny thing is, I have so many more places I could go right now. Of course you do. But, <laughs> the later you... But okay, you're done. <laughs> the later it goes, the more... I don't know. If people really love this, you can you can react to it and let us know. Write to us and tell us this was like your favorite episode ever. And maybe we'll do like a part two or something. <laughs> part two would have to escalate, though. We'd have to like do shrooms or something. Oh, God. I don't know about that. Yeah. Or maybe uh, maybe get high and go to the float tank and then record. In the float tank? No. No, after the float oh. tank. Oh. We'll see that. So we got the logistics that of that don't work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, yeah. happy high fives, everyone. Happy we did high it. High fives. <laughs>Hey, it's Josiah, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you're the type of person who likes helping others, would you do us a favor and share it with other people like you? If you found value in this conversation, they will too. I also want to give a special thanks to our community members who shared their voice with us in this episode. If anything in this conversation has resonated with you, or if you have any further thoughts or questions, I want to invite you to join our community of other people like you and continue the conversation at Enneagram5.com.